137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 67, and we are hot on the tails of 66, continuing with the theme of cryptid encounters, and tonight will be the Flatwoods Monster, Ooh, ooh. and uh, we want to welcome all of our new listeners and all of our new followers on the social meds as well. Meads. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> is that annoying is that uh no i'll live with it <laughs> it's like something aziz and sorry would say oh god damn <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you get paid the big bucks that's funny yeah i was gonna call them sosh meads but even that makes me cringe <laughs> it's a twofer <laughs> totes my sosh yeah, we've, uh, we've been getting a lot more followers on Instagram, and we want to welcome everybody. Thank you for listening to us in a world where literally everybody has a podcast. We are so uh, thankful and humble that you guys choose to listen to us. Indeed. And the last episode was my favorite since I've been on here, and it has also been um, like just tons of praise. Everybody giving us praise yeah. for it. Everybody liked the visual companion on uh, Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I think we're going to continue yeah. that, continue that up. Hell yeah! It shows up actually as um, I don't know about any other apps, but on iTunes, it shows up under the best of category. So I believe the analytics means that's one of the highest downloaded episodes or listened to episodes. So that's awesome. Thanks, guys. Hell yeah! Cool. Anything new with you guys, Presto? What are you up to? Anything? Passing a kidney stone still. <laughs> oh. mm. Well, hopefully that thing comes out pretty quick. I'm, I'm drinking water like it's, you know, something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking water like it's water. Well, when you pass it, you should get it like inlaid into some resin. Yeah? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want it, but you can make a really cool like Christmas decoration. <laughs> <laughs> the one that gave me so much pain. Oh, man. Ugh, gross. Yeah, that's insane, dude. Uh, I know, and they get bad enough. Sometimes you have to have them, like, surgically removed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all I had to say about that. So how long have you had that now? Uh, it's been hanging around for, like, a week and a half-ish. Fuck that, dude. No yeah. way. No way. We're going to brighten your mood, Preston. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to brighten your mood. Steve, you got anything else uh, new going on, man? Anything we should know about? No, just in the process of moving, getting a new house set up, and uh, yeah, had a garage sale, did okay. (laughs) (laughs) You did Uh, all right. Yeah. I don't know. It feels really good, like, just getting rid of a lot of shit and going the more, like, minimum, minimalist. minimalism. Yeah. It's pretty, it feels pretty good. I still have a lot of shit, but... It's a lot less and it, shit. It feels good just to give a middle finger to all those people that made fun of you for mm-hmm. collecting all that stuff over the years. Most Fucking nerd. definitely. Yeah, it feels dude, so made good. A, made a pretty good chunk of change. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, well, let's just what? No, nothing. I was gonna say. Oh, cool. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. 
Well, let's just go ahead and jump into it, guys. Let's waste no time, and I'm going to hit you guys with some news. I'll start off first. A security guard in Memphis was caught having sex with a corpse in a hospital. No fucks given. No fucks given. (laughs) And all she did was lay there. Um, Cameron Wright, 23 years of age, was caught having sex with a female corpse at the St. Francis Hospital in Memphis on Thursday. And this was a couple weeks ago. This is around uh, the 24th of August, guys. I've been sitting on this one for a minute, so... Witnesses say that Wright was having sex with a female corpse in a body storage room. Wright admitted to having intercourse with the dead woman when he was taken to Memphis Police Headquarters. He's being held on a $3,000 bond for abuse of a corpse, according to the Shelby County Sheriff's Office. The Memphis Commercial Appeal published the following statement from St. Francis Hospital officials. Treating those we serve with dignity and respect is our top priority. The behavior of this individual does not represent our hospital and what it stands for, and these actions are completely unacceptable. We are saddened by the incident, and we are empathetic and sympathetic to the family of the patient. Blah, 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 and Wright was terminated from his position. That's crazy. So <sighs> they there's one word in that first line. Cameron Wright, 23, was caught having sex with a female corpse at his hospital. Okay. The keyword yeah. caught. I think this shit happens a lot. Oh yeah, you're I think probably right, a dude. lot, a lot, lot. <laughs> so that's crazy shit, man. He's so young too. I always, I would always see that as like an, like kind of like an older, an older fetish or interest. Yeah, you'd say. I don't know. Could be. Ah, uh, I ew, yeah. It's just it's 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 strange. Uh, it can't be one of the things like, well, if that's what you're into, it's what you're into. It's you're still right. not getting consent. It's still, even mm-hmm. though the person's not alive, it's still the remains of a person that was alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. just, it's really weird. You're really fucked up. And like, uh, this is my morbid curiosity. What kind of state was the body in? Yeah. Ugh. You know, like uh, fresh. Um, embalmed already. Had rigor mortis set in. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck, man? That's that's pretty messed up. But yeah, I bet you're right, Steve. Uh, I think that happens a lot more often than mm-hmm. we'd be um, happy to know about. I guess, fuck that. <laughs> I guess I just understand like what's what's appealing about a dead body. Like, yeah, are you are know. you that bad? <laughs> that's that's your only option. Like, you're like, Oof. I ain't getting it from nobody. But a dead body. <laughs> wow. Is that the slogan on his bumper sticker? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> well, I mean, if you sympathize with the guy, um, I mean, maybe it was just the, the heat of the moment, you know? And a, a crime of passion, so to speak. Like, he just, whatever was in his head, pushed him to that point where he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to go for it. It's all gross, but can you imagine, like, what was it like to be caught? Like, when you finally get the goal to be like, fuck it, I'm going for it. And then <laughs> it's going so well, then all of a sudden, no, 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 it's not what it looks like. Come on, guys, I just drop my, come back in five seconds, I promise it won't look like this. <laughs> right. I dropped my earbud in there, and I was just trying to get it out. Yeah, good riddance to that guy. That's that's shitty, man. I hope he gets help, and I hope he, uh yeah. Fuck. 
Well, crazy to uh, to cleanse the palate. Shayla just hit me with this right before we started recording. In Mexico, Mexican prosecutors have found 166 human skulls in a mass grave. Mexico City cartel investigators shit? said, "Huh? Cartel shit? Ah, uh, possibly." Investigators said Thursday, and mind you, this happened um, to yesterday. Um, investigators said Thursday they have found 166 skulls in a clandestine burial pit off of the coast of the state of Veracruz, one of the biggest mass graves discovered in Mexico so far. Veracruz state prosecutor Jorge Winkler said that security reasons, for security reasons, he could not reveal the specific location. Mexican drug cartels frequently use clandestine pits. That's a fancy word for secret, by the way, (laughs) guys, if you didn't know what clandestine meant. Mexican drug cartels frequently use clandestine pits to dispose of their victims. The bodies were buried with at least two within at least two years, and they do not rule out finding more remains as they continue to dig. And uh, they have found 114 ID cards in the field, which have held about 32 different burial pits. Wow. Fuck. That shit's scary, dude. Yeah. Just down there, that man. You go missing. really scary. And then, you know. That's why, to me, it seems like cartel shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, especially, dude, after watching that, uh, what's that, Dark Tourist mm-hmm. show? And that guy's just like, yeah, like, just, <laughs> that's a job, just take people out. And what do you do with them? Just fucking bury them. Yeah. Jeez Louise, man. And what was that, like, uh, a drug deal gone bad? Like, that's like a whole fucking factory. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, maybe they couldn't figure out who did what. So they were just like, okay, now you all pay or some shit. Yeah. Fuck it, you're all expendable. Fuck. Oh, jeez. Whole different world, man. That's very true. But um, maybe the biggest scandal, guys, I'm going to hit you with three stories about dead things. The biggest scandal might possibly have happened in Kuwait. And in something I'm going to call Fishgate 2018, Kuwaiti police have shut down a fish store that was sticking googly eyes on fish to make them look more fresh than they are. So (laughs) this, it's like a market, like a fish market. And they've literally taken the fish they have displayed and put fucking googly eyes on them. So they look like they're a little fresher than they really are. Cause dead fish have the most, you know, disturbing dead eyes. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to send you a picture of this shit. Cause it's actually really funny. Which I don't really know, like what the problem is. Essentially, if you're just—I mean, there's got to be a cleanliness issue, but I don't think you're eating like the fish head necessarily. Yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Who ain't that quaint? Who fucking thought that would be a good idea? (laughs) Nobody's gonna know that's a googly eye. Goodness, shit, man. Uh, Yeah, well, that's all I got. Preston, why don't you take it over? Well, for my news, I have a 71-year-old man in South Korea experience every sushi lover's worst nightmare when doctors had to amputate his forearm, apparently because he consumed contaminated raw seafood. The unnamed patient showed up at 
Chonbunk National University Medical uh, School in Jeonju in Korea with a fever and severe pain in his left hand. According to the case study published last month in the New England Journal of Medicine, the patient had told doctors problems started 12 hours after he'd eaten the raw seafood. And though the article does not specify what kind of seafood he had consumed, they'd noticed that a purple blister measuring 1.4 to by 1.8 inches on the man's arm and discovered it was infected with verbero vulcanficious, a flesh-eating bacteria. So, Ooh, boy. That guy was fucked. Yeah, so, that's what I'm saying, man. 20, I like sushi, man, but... Mm. Yeah, 25 it, days it later, it. armless. Bam. Wow, yeah. fuck, man. And, and they found out for sure it came from the sushi, though? Well, I, I mean, that's what the article said, so, I mean... yeah. Means it's I mean, true. I'm not <laughs> doubting it, but th- if that's true, the guy got lucky because what if that parasite went into his gut and just like ate away his insides? Mm. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Gut Ugh, rot. Fuck that noise. Fuck Ugh. That, yeah. I just had sushi like an hour ago. Well, if you see any purple blisters, boo, you get to the hospital right away. <laughs> boo. <laughs> I, will, I will keep an eye out. Come on, <laughs> bub. <laughs> for my next story, I got one for Rob. The Usain Bolt of Pugs win its third straight uh, sprint championship. So for those who are wondering who could fill the void left by Usain Bolt's retirement from sprinting, take no look further than Emma the Pug. The four-legged cutie won her third straight international 50-meter title for Pugs on Saturday in Berlin, according to the report. The four-year-old smushed-faced sprinter finished 5.8 six six seconds to defeat dozens of other animals in the trial i didn't realize those <laughs> fat little fuckers could run that fast <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i seen this awesome. in the notes and i was like what paranormal <laughs> like what and i watched the video and it's really cute now my question is how the hell do they tell the difference between all their pugs Maybe they have like their bellies painted with a different colored dot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're microchipped, all of them. <laughs> That's crazy. But I like the video. Like it just shows like pugs just like not giving a shit. Like <laughs> like mm-hmm. not even not even trying. They're like, why am I here? Take me back home with top. Fuck you, I'm laying down. It's the first one to get across the finish line. Exactly. Oh god, that's adorable. Hell yeah. Well, man, Steve, we're doing cryptids on this episode. Why don't you finish up with your news? I saw the headline. I know, right? It's crazy. So uh, the Loch Ness Monster has been spotted again. But check this out. So most times when they're spotted, there's like a picture taken. And then that's it. You see a little picture and you're like, oh, okay, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But two in the same day within hours of each other. Wow. That's pretty cool. A school secretary... Captured Nessie on her mobile phone. You need to upgrade your shit or get a better zoom lens, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Or it could have been a turtle. (laughs) Or a bit of rubbish. But it's just hours before a schoolgirl photographed a similar image 12 miles away. Both pictures look pretty much the same um, of what it is. And it looks like what she thinks is the tail. Could be the tail of the beast uh, Mm -hmm. hanging out there. And... um, and yeah, 
then another a young girl uh, took the picture of what could be the Loch Ness monster, and it's pretty much the same little, just like little nub in the water. It's weird. Huh. It's just pretty cool to see that that uh, they were up to likely a total of seven signings for this year, which is fantastic. It could be another record year as we've not even we're not even at the end of August yet. So this was you know a little while back, but still right. it's crazy. It's a Loch Ness monster. Shit, yeah, man. You know, of all the cryptids and all the the creatures that you know we see, I feel like the Loch Ness monster would be the easiest one to capture. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, if you always see it off the coast here, don't we have like underwater cameras, or are the locks just that dark that you can't really see through that murky ass water? They're, maybe they're that uh, they're that dark and that deep that it's hard to get like because the, there's underground caverns and like all these weird little niches that it's hard to yeah. get like stuff down in there to actually go deep into the to the lock. Uh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, shit, it's good that they're keeping it alive, you know, keeping the dream alive anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, Preston and I were talking today, of all of our favorite cryptid creatures, I think we're not going to talk about Loch Ness Monster. Or or Champ. Fuck both of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or who? Champ. It's another Loch Ness type. Uh, yeah, so you have, yeah, so you have Nessie over in Scotland, right? The the, the Ness, the Loch Ness, uh, the that lake is over in Scotland or maybe Ireland. And here in the states, you have Lake Champlain. So here in the United States, it's called Champ. But yeah, hmm. yeah, we've made the executive decision that we probably will not be covering those creatures because they're kind of the most boring I think personally. You guys have does that get your rocks off? A little bit of sea monster action? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, to me it, it's interesting because out of everything that I think of when it comes to everything on this earth, you know, we have yeah. mountains and forests that have never been explored and shit like in maybe even deserts, I don't know. But I know that like some of that terrain it's hard to get to, so it's just never been explored by on foot. Think of all the mm-hmm. creatures that are out there that we might not even know about. Ocean a little bit more scary. Because, <laughs> That's true. We That's we just true. we can't go that deep, and we don't know what's down yeah. there. Rapture, but yeah. Megalodon. Like, Rapture. Yeah, like it's it's crazy shit, man. And I think I think that stuff's awesome. Yeah, I think that's my problem. Is Loch Ness monster and Champy? I think those are the two or the one of all the cryptids that I'm like, yeah, I have the easiest time believing that's a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because especially if the water's deep and dark, like, yeah, who knows what the fuck's down there? Like, you can watch Planet Earth has a, a special call, I think, Blue Planet, and they go down below and find, like, underwater volcanoes. There's underwater lakes that we can't even get through because the water is so dense. Um, you know, there's volcanoes where it reaches, like, 400 degrees, and there are shrimp that live on the surface of these volcanoes underwater. So, literally, if you tried to boil one, you would probably um, freeze it to death, you know, comparatively. So... Yeah, I think that's the easiest for me to believe is that, um, yeah, there's probably are Loch Ness Monsters. Yeah, it's really fucking creepy in my opinion. Yeah, it is. And I think, too, my problem is of all the cryptid, the Loch Ness Monster is like the least cool looking. Like it's just a brontosaurus yeah. and fins. Yeah. So. A, a plesiosaur. Uh. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Fucking nerd! You're welcome. <laughs> the uh, you can hear Preston push his glasses up when he said the uh, umpele imbele up up. That's the one that looks like a brontosaurus. Well, and hmm. that one's in Africa. 
maybe there's enough we can just wow. you know do an episode right now about Loch Ness monster. <laughs> we just got it over with, folks. There you go. <laughs> Hell yeah, you guys got a twofer. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh fuck. Well, speaking of cryptids, if you guys don't have anything else, we can just go ahead and jump right into it. Pooh. Get get after it. So as promised, um, part two of our cryptid encounters. We're going to talk about the Flatwoods Monster. And this one is one of my favorites based off of looks. I know looks aren't everything when it comes to cryptids. But um, this one to me is like the freakiest fucking thing when you put them all up in a lineup. um, To me anyway. And what I love about the story of the Flatwoods Monster is (sighs) Flatwoods Monster is kind of like a really good fart. (laughs) In the fact that not a lot of people are around to appreciate it. And it's gone just as quick as it showed up. Huh. Are you guys either one? Preston, you might be familiar. Steve, are you familiar at all with the, the Flatwoods monster? No, when you told me what it was, I Google searched it. I've never heard of it. And uh, I was like, what is this like weird green onion looking fucking head <laughs> thing? It looks like it looks like a character out of Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah. It does. Or it looks like it could be one of the, the cardsmen for like uh, Alice in Wonderland yeah, yeah, Queen. Yeah. You know? Oh God, I love it. It's one of my favorite, man. It is I creepy wish... looking. And I, I see. Yeah. Anytime you mention something, I, I Google it, and like I don't read any articles about it because I'd rather save it for the show. But I look at images, yeah. so I click the images tab on Google, and like just all the different yep. drawings of it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and like it's it's not the world's longest. It won't be as long as the Mothman episode, but what little there is about this thing. To me, it's really interesting just the the peaks and valleys this story takes as far as like what exactly this thing might be. So the Flatwoods Monster, also known as the Braxton County Monster or the Phantom of the Flatwoods. Now, the story begins and primarily takes place on September 12th, 1952 in a sleepy little county area known as the Flatwoods in Braxton County, West Virginia. West Virginia, again, guys, is where we were at last episode with Mothman. Although this does take place, you know, 10, 15 years, roughly 10, 12 years before the Mothman. In Braxton, West Virginia, the Flatwoods, it's home to a mere 300 people. So it's a very small, pretty quaint little place. It's not full of hillbillies. It's not full of mountain men. It's just a very small kind of country town. Um, it is a saga that is self-contained. It ends right around the same week that it begins. But uh, we thought before we get into it, we'll have Preston kind of set the mood and let us know, you know, 1952 back in the U.S., uh, what's going on back then, man? Oh, man. It was a great year. A leap year, I might add. So <laughs> You're a leap year baby, I'm a leap aren't year you? baby, so, mm. man. Uh, Harry Truman was president, and uh, February 2nd, the earliest reported landfall of a tropic storm and the earliest formation of a tropic storm happened. Tornadoes ravaged the lower Mississippi River Valley, leaving 208 dead. And a 7.3 Richter scale earthquake hit California, killing 12 and injuring hundreds. So, shit, maybe that wasn't such a great year. But, <laughs> but... We had nuclear tests in the Nevada desert. Uh, Washington, mm. D.C. UFO incident happened July 19th through the 26th, where several alleged UFOs 
uh, were tracked on multiple radars. Jets scrambled to the occasion, and objects uh, took evasive action. Um, so, holy shit, I didn't know about that. And the New York Daily News carries a front-page story announcing that Christine Jorgensen, a transsexual woman in Denmark, had become the first recipient of the first successful sexual reassignment operation. Wow. Yeah. And nearly... Yeah. (laughs) Right. What a year. And then nearly 58,000 cases of polio are are reported. Over 3,100 people die and 21,000 are left in a mild... Uh, disabling paralysis, and that's going to come back <laughs> because you don't vaccinate your children. Yeah. Now the, oh, and damn. now it's mutating. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's very so true. you know well, what? What's really funny, Preston? Hold on. When I text you this morning, and I'm like, "Hey, man, give me an idea here. Look up what's kind of going on back then in music and shit." <laughs> he fucking wrote a novel. <laughs> yeah. And Preston gives us like a fucking U.S. census yeah. of yeah. what happened back yeah. then, which I love it, and I, yeah. I want you to do that for every episode yeah, going forward. Because I'm just like, yeah, you know, was it Roy Orbison? What kind of music were they listening to? And then Preston's like, well, uh, you know, I know one thing. It's Nessie. If I know another thing, yeah. it's U.S. fucking history. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, go ahead. So what could you watch and listen to shake away these blues? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. The top songs in 1952, Wheel of Fortune by K-Star, Blue Tango by Leroy Anderson, Here in My Heart by Al Martino, and I Went to Your Wedding by Patty Page. And what better way to pimp around town than in your very own 52 Chevrolet Deluxe, which was the most popular model of that year, which you could then go drive and see Singing in the Rain, High Noon, or The Quiet Man, which were the most popular movies of that year. And to top it all off, not only were the U.S. troops involved in the Korean War, but we were in the early years of the Red Scare. Yeah, baby. Mm. (laughs) Hell yeah, I like it. Deep, deep cuts. (laughs) Deep cuts. (laughs) <laughs> who the fuck makes a yeah. song i want to be in your what what type of song is that that sounds like the lamest ass i want to be in your way like some country one hit one what the fuck is that how do you page something tells me it's not how that song went <laughs> <laughs> well that's how it went in my mind that's how it went for you so yeah, you know the uh, the climate right now is we just had a lot of nuclear testing um, in Nevada. We got threats of nuclear war going on, and like you meant uh, you mentioned the UFO sightings in New York or no, sorry, Washington, 1952. That entire year was one of the heaviest saturated UFO sighting years in U.S. history. They were fucking running rampant or flying rampant. And like um, actual like books that, uh, you know, like science books that were like on like Mars and space travel and like how to get us to the moon. Those mm-hmm. were actually all published under science fiction, which I thought to be interesting. Like oh. we wouldn't classify those as, you know, science fiction books today. But back then, yeah. they're like, "This is a this is a fucking mind trip right here. This is this ain't real. This is fiction, <laughs> science fiction." Yeah, I wonder, like politically back then, if you had to deem those books, you had to list your book as science fiction in order to get it on the shelf. I'm thinking so. Yeah, yeah, probably. Most Do you think likely. back then that people like kind of shrugged, shrugged that, and they're like, "I'm gonna waste my time reading that shit." 
man to the well, moon. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's that funny book stuff, you know, the comic book stories and everything else, like that giant comic book, the uh, the giant UFO. Well, what's it fucking called? Giant comics UFO flying saucers comic. You got me. Mm-hmm. That thing was written in 1968, so you know, 15 years after this Flatwood sightings you're still having the majority of your actual information put into funny books. So your your nut jobs, so to speak, were taking this shit seriously, but your congressmen, your you know, your teachers, your your hardworking parents, they weren't really giving it too much thought back then. It was mostly like your kids and teens and mm-hmm. you know, whack jobs. So Yeah. More whack jobs, boys. Oh, or wackadoos. But yeah, we're on high alert. And there were so many um UFO sightings back then. That Air Force pilots were actually given the go-ahead, if you see a UFO, shoot it down. Well, we don't need to. We don't need to escort it. We don't need to find out who they are. Shoot them down and ask questions if there are survivors. America. So basically they had a <laughs> – fuck yeah. America. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, let's go. Let's go for it. The main encounter. On the evening of September 12th, 1952, at roughly 7.15 p.m. in the little town up in the hills of West Virginia called the Flatwoods, two brothers, Ed and Freddie May, right around 13, 14 years old, were playing in the schoolyard with their 10-year-old friend Tommy Heyer. And they're out there just kind of messing around, playing some football, tossing the old pigskin, and suddenly they see a giant fiery object streak across the sky. And, of course, back then, we're already in the height of, you know, alien invaders and UFO sightings and shit like that. They're like, whoa, what is that? So they, of course, get excited. Um, They think that they finally see it land or crash, one of the two, up on a hilltop nearby at a farm called the Bailey Fisher Farm. So excitedly, the three kids run home to Ed and Freddie's house to talk to their mom. So they go inside and they find Kathleen May, a local beautician, mother of Eddie and Freddie, and they tell her what they saw. Holy crap, mom, we just saw a giant flying ball or UFO or whatever. And so she's like, well, I ain't got shit to do, so let's go figure out what the hell happened. So she grabs a flashlight, and they make their way, you know, to leave. And a few other kids in the neighborhood join up because, you know, people are reporting seeing weird lights in the sky and stuff like that. So she forms this, like, middle school lynch mob, so to speak, to go basically (laughs) figure out what it is. (laughs) So all in all, the lady has seven people, including herself, Ed and Freddie, Neil Nunley, Tommy Heyer, Ronnie Shaver, and kind of rounding out this group, a National Guardsman, 17-year-old Gene Lemon, along with his dog. So it's this mother and a team of, you know, 12-year-olds uh, all the way up to about a 17-year-old. So she's got quite the uh, powerful bunch. So again, it's her classic kind of like Stephen King's It, Stand By Me kind of story already. Mm-hmm. But, they, you know, they're making their way up and they go back up towards the woods where these kids think this uh, object may have crashed. And as they're making their way up, off in the distance, they notice this pulsing red light. And, of course, the dog just freaks out and takes off running towards the light um, so quick and so fast they lose sight of the dog. And as they're just about up to where they think the dog disappeared, suddenly they hear, you know, snarling and barking and the dog's freaking out. And then it goes quiet. And then the dog just comes tearing past them, you know, tail between their legs, just fucking shitting itself scared. 
And right about that time, they noticed this really strange smell, really foul, kind of like a it's rotten the dog egg. shit in its pants. Uh, they notice the bad smell and whatever it is it's sulfuric and it's making their eyes start to water a little bit um the two people in front gene and neil they get to the top of the hill first and they notice a big ball of fire as they describe it and some of the kids claim it's 50 feet tall and then you know others say no it's not that big but it's about the size of a house it melts their face <laughs> right. <laughs> they believe basically this object might be the craft that our uh, upcoming creature may have landed in. Hmm. So everybody gets up to the edge of the woods. And they're kind of trying to figure out what the hell's going on, what it was that spooked uh, Gene's dog. Gene shines his flashlight around, kind of looking, you know, off in the woods. And out of the corner of his eye, he sees two giant reflecting eyeballs on the tree line. So he turns around really quick and he shines his light into the forest and he illuminates the silhouette of a giant towering man-like figure with a round red face covered by a really big pointed hood similar to the shape of the Ace of Spades, or rather just a spade. The body is dark, seemingly colorless, although some go on to describe it as being an odd green color. It's got a large waist with a robe that hangs down draped over it in folds. It's like Ortho from (laughs) He-Man. Orko, yeah. (laughs) It's the forest wizard. The monster was observed only for moments, and then suddenly it screamed out a hiss, rushed towards the group, all while spewing out this strange thick green mist of sorts. (laughs) Being the manly man he was, Lemon, Gene Lemon, responded by screaming and falling down in sheer panic. And as he falls down and he drops his flashlight, he looks over at the creature and notices that it doesn't have any feet or legs. It's actually floating, almost effortlessly gliding towards them. They kind of help Gene up and they just say, fuck it, and they take off running and they note the creature actually at that point had turned and started making its way back towards the uh, the glowing ball, the craft of sorts. Hmm. So they make it back into town, and about, oh, half an hour or so later, a reporter by the name of A. Lee Stewart Jr. from the Braxton Democrat paper shows up and interviews them, and he's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And they're all freaking out. You know, as you imagine, a bunch of middle school kids just fucking chitter-chattering around, and, you know, the mom's trying to calm them all down. And they're all pretty terrified, but they managed to kind of give a description of what they saw as a group. They describe it as a grotesque-looking creature with a head shaped like the Ace of Spades. Receding back into its head was a red, round face with what they consider circular windows and then two light blue eyes shining, almost emitting pale blue lights or rays or lasers. They don't know what it is. Um, They couldn't tell that it had much of anything resembling arms or legs. Some go on to say they thought it had long spindly claws. The creature seemed to be well over six foot tall. On average, they say it was right around 10 feet. Some claimed it was 12. Some claim it was about eight. Overall, the thing's reported to be about 10 feet tall. And it moves effortlessly as it glides across the ground instead of walking. Second, uh, seconds later after it charged them, they noted that it turned around, headed for the sphere, 
and then they lost sight of it as they took off back towards the town. So Stuart, you know, being a man of integrity, he reports that, you know, these people, as crazy as it sounds, they don't sound like a group of people who are kind of concocting a crazy ass story, but instead he is just bound and determined that they're telling the truth. They saw something and whatever it was scared the shit out of them. So they get Lemon to kind of compose himself and Gene and the reporter decide to head back up to the spot where they saw the alien, the, the creature. Mm-hmm. And when they get there, Stuart notices that, you know, concurrent with what they're saying, he notices a very strange kind of mist in the air and almost an acidic odor that's really irritating his nose and his throat. His eyes begin to water and they go ahead and leave. He's like, yeah, that's good enough for me. Let's go. But the next day he returned by himself to kind of investigate on his own to look for any, you know, sources of what the gas might have been or any kind of, you know, hoax memorabilia. There, <laughs> paraphernalia, sorry, they left. And he notices that there are strange skid marks on the ground going down the hill um, towards a big area of matted grass where something large may have been resting, as well as a very strange, oily, gummy, metallic goo uh, in patches on the ground as well. This thing's just nasty. It's got gases and goo. <laughs> it's just fucking it's like, take your ass drip back dick to flying and it's just, fucking fireball <laughs> take your ass back to uranus <laughs> nasty right so back in the 50s like every good sci-fi story their encounter goes public you know the very next day and the newspapers <laughs> quickly dub it the flatwoods monster and you know their headlines cry out stuff like strange creature terrorizes group of seven <laughs> 12 foot tall creature stalks the forest oh the old version of clickbait Right, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Woman and six kids saw a creature, and when I saw it, couldn't believe my eyes. Uh, It took place during a flurry of sightings of unusual... uh, It took place in a flurry of unusual sightings in the area, most of which being big orange flying objects in the night sky. So we're in a town that's already seeing UFOs, and now we're just going to ham it up with, yep, an alien sighting. So additional sightings on top of that, um, Bailey Frame, a resident nearby in the Birch River area, he reported seeing a bright orange ball circling over the area where the monster had been spotted previously. The orange ball was visible for about 15 minutes before veering off towards the airport at Sutton, where the object had also been reported by others. According to an account, just one week before the Flatwoods monster event primarily happened, a Weston woman and her mother encountered the same or similar creature. The younger woman who spotted it was scared so bad she reportedly had to be hospitalized after her encounter. Hmm. One week after Mrs. May and the children encountered the creature, a woman in her 30s was driving with her daughter when they saw a bright light. The bright light was so blinding they had to pull over. They reported as they stopped to pull over, the car itself began to kind of uh, flutter a little bit. The engine started kind of sputtering. And when they pulled over and came to a complete stop, the same type of creature described by Mrs. May and the boys approached her car. Now, the woman said that she and her daughter saw a smoky haze fill the area. And apparently the creature used one of these long scraggly arms with two talons on the end to scratch a V shape into the hood of her car. Now, another couple in the area said the same thing. While they were driving 
Steve, you put your cursor. Okay. <laughs> you're keeping up with me and your cursor covered the sentence I was reading. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Another couple said the same thing, that while they're driving one night, their car suddenly stalled out and they coasted to a stop. And then they were stalked as well by some creature whose head was a shape of an upside down heart. It had two giant glowing eyes, spindly arms with two clawed hands standing well over 10 feet tall. And it kind of uh, pumped out a strange green fog all around it that made them cough and later become sick. So whatever this thing is, nasty, more than <laughs> it's just a walking scaby. That's yeah. all it is. That's <laughs> sure. all it is. <laughs> so this happened on the twelfth, is when Miss May and the kids saw it. A couple days later, on the sixteenth of September, among you know h- hundreds of other calls, phone calls, crank calls, requests for interviews, Mrs. May was contacted by a TV station asking for a network interview. Days later, on September 18, 1952, Mrs. May, Jean Lemon, and A. Lee Stewart Jr. were subsequently flown to New York City as guests on a hugely popular TV show hosted by Daniel Seymour. Um, they wined them, they dined them, they put them up into the Belmont Hotel, a really nice, you know, five-star 1950s hotel. Um One afternoon, they were then driven down to the TV studio for the live broadcast scheduled to air later that evening. Now, they got them there a little early because of how intense this was. And again, the climate, you know, in the the time was bunches of UFOs and weird shit. And these people had lived to see an alien. You know, they saw an alien, they saw a monster, and they lived to tell the tale. So this network's like, fuck, we are the one and only station. We're going to get some more information. So before the recording of the episode. Because so many this, uh, people are dying by the hands of aliens. <laughs> right. <laughs> what sense does that make? Right. Uh, before the episode is aired and, you know, recorded live, um, Seymour and his staff get together with um, May and Lemon and uh, Stuart Jr. And they have a sketch artist come in and sketch what they report that the, uh, you know, they, they sketch what these people claim to have seen. And they asked him to describe it, and, you know, this guy just makes this likeness sketch, and we'll include it up on Instagram, but this thing looks just like we described. It's got a big, you know, like, spade-shaped head, giant nasty claws, and a robe with no legs, and it's fucking, you know, twice the height of a man. And the original drawing is very famous. It's kind of like the token image that a lot of places use. And the sketch artist, man, he cranked this puppy out on a giant 24 by 36 inch illustration board. So pretty awesome. And supposedly um, the drawing is still around and is, I think, at the New York Flatwood. No, it's at the Flatwoods Museum. Sorry, it's at the museum in uh, West Virginia. But anyway, so the episode airs. Of course, you know, there's token creepy music. And it's rapid fire. What did you see? What did you feel? Did you think you were in danger? Blah, blah, blah. All the while, you know, little nerds like me and you guys, we're watching TV on the fucking carpet, biting our fingernails like, oh, my God. It's a Flatwoods monster, ma. <laughs> right. And so thus, you know, the entire nation is exposed to the story of the Flatwoods monster. And so now everybody's on high alert. Everybody's watching the fucking forest. Everybody's freaking out. And, you know, it's easy to get. Uh, caught up in this kind of shit and it kind of falls into that mass hysteria Mm -hmm. because you can't blame them too much. They're kind of a product of their time. You know, 
back then in the 1950s were just hot off the tails of, you know, our really, our first, um, you know, really important horror movies back in, you know, the late thirties, Wolfman, Frankenstein, Invisible Man, all that kind of stuff. Like we're still terrified by that kind of shit. And so the fact that we're actually reportedly seeing real monsters is just fucking insane. Essentially, though, what exactly was this thing if it wasn't a monster? Because with every token monster sighting and every creature encounter, you're going to have just as many, if not more people saying, no, you guys didn't see a damn thing. You're just crazy. Or, you know, you just saw what you thought you saw. In reality, you know, there's not a 10 foot tall monster stalking people in the forest. There's got to be a really good explanation. You know, maybe Mrs. May got caught up in all the child wonderment that all of her companions saw, and it was just a classic case of mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to note here that nonetheless, when they interviewed everybody about the incident, all of our witnesses told pretty much the same exact story. You know, it wasn't a case of like, you know, one guy's like, oh, I was 15 feet tall and had 18 arms. Everybody pretty much gives you the same exact explanation of what the next guy saw within reason. And then um, it's important to note, too, later on in the 1990s, Kathleen May had been remarried. She was Kathleen May Horner. She was interviewed again, um, but by two men claiming that they were reporters from the U.S. military. And it wasn't uncommon, you know, for the Air Force to dispatch plainclothes investigators to scenes like this or to, you know, investigate things further. But – and we won't get into it too deep. It's rumored to be maybe Men in Black that interviewed Kathleen, you know, so many years later. But anyway, Steve, the way a lot of people uh, write this off and the biggest explanation of what happened is – your favorite bird of prey comes swooping in to explain the monster away. Fucking creeps. People <laughs> people in the area suggest and fully believe the smell they smell was natural gas. They got high as balls and saw nothing more than a giant large owl sitting on top a tree stump. Aliens! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, man, because we got to stop blaming shit on owls. At some point, you got to draw the line and be like, y'all, it can't possibly be a fucking owl. They're just so time. damn creepy. Right. Really fucking creepy. That's very true. And there's big owls. There's pretty large owls, but I mean, not fucking 10 feet tall owls that I know of. Mm, and they sit outside my window at night and don't shut the fuck up and hoo, hoo, all night long while I'm trying to sleep. Do they ever look in the window, Preston? Do you ever wake up and there's three of them looking in the window? No, I keep the fucking blinds closed at night, so I don't have to look out the window. <laughs> and all you see is a silhouette of five owl heads mm. <laughs> from the street light outside. Fucking cool, creepy. Cool owl is the one that is disguised. Well, David Bowie disguised himself inside the owl in the labyrinth. <laughs> in the labyrinth, right? No, owls, owls oh. are cool. They're just they're they are creepy and. Yeah, there's symbolism in there. We should yeah. do an episode dedicated just to owls maybe sometime down the road. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, that's it. A lot of people say no. She was just high. They were just high off of natural gas and saw some owls, so whatever. But Kathleen May still insists there's a lot more to the story. So later on, a couple years down the road, Kathleen May meets up with Frank Frescino, 
who is a writer and an illustrator. And this guy is just bound and determined. He's going to get to the bottom of what the fuck's going on. Uh, he's very interested in this. He's, he's got his interest peak. He enjoys this kind of stuff, but he really just wants to know exactly what it was. And he also feels that, you know, either there's a hoax or maybe there's more to the story. And, and, you know, Kathleen should be taken a little more seriously. So during one of their interviews, Kathleen talks to Frank and says, you know, Back when I was on TV, they just told me that they'd like to draw a sketch of it. So Gene and I got together and told them what we saw, and the artist drew the sketch. And Frescino says, well, why did he draw arms on it? Because when you told me what you guys saw that night in your report, you said it didn't have arms, but just maybe some an antenna, antennae sticking out the sides. And she says, well, yeah, I told them that too. But they just drew the arms on it, maybe just to make it look like a monster. And, you know, as we all know, even back then, we know it makes good TV. And good TV isn't, you know, a Dalek like on uh, Doctor Who. It's a fucking Dalek 10 feet tall with giant arms and big claws. Yeah. It's you like know? in Harry the Hendersons. So, <laughs> right, right. Big, exactly. Like mean. Yeah. So she goes on to describe more in depth what the creature really looked like because she feels like the artist at the TV interview kind of misinterpreted what she saw. She goes on and says she told the original artist that the lower portion was shaped like drapes, fluted and pleated. So the artist drew exactly that. And that's where we get the token picture of, you know, this creature wearing kind of like a, uh, a skirt or a robe. And she says... It did flare out like drapes out to the side, but there's more to it. She tried to clarify and explain that it came out from the sides. It flared out, and the artist interpreted that as literal flowing curtains like a cloak or a robe. But Frank asked Kathleen directly about its appearance. Did it look like cloth, something else, other material? Was it metallic? And she says, no, it looked more like metal, not like cloth. More like exhaust pipes that extended outward and down to the ground along the creature's sides. Hmm. It was wearing a suit of green armor. It looked like a mechanical man. He had a blood-red face, sported a black spade-like cowl that extended well over a foot or more above its head. Freddie, um, hang on a second. Oh, Freddie May, one of her sons who was there, reported to Festino. What his mother described as pleats of hanging drapes were actually tubes running vertically down its sides. This kid's they like an metal. expert now. Well, actually, yeah, they yeah. were tubes, actually. That's yeah, how, that's yeah. How it gets well, I mean, oxygen. listen, listen, I mean, I like the way he describes them. They were metal and they actually, uh, hang on, they were metal. They were actually metal pipes. And he compares them to the thickness and likeness of a fire hose. And that makes sense to, you know, a little, like, you know, 10, 14-year-old kid, like a fire hose. That mm -hmm. makes complete sense. Um, I think those tubes were some kind of propulsion system. It was hovering about a foot off the ground. May also said about the figure, it was more mechanical. It was not alive. Maybe inside of it, the, maybe inside of the thing, there could have been something alive. What I saw was either a small spaceship or a suit of some kind. Something was wearing it. That makes it sense. definitely was mechanical, though. Maybe it was hurt, and that's why it smelled all bad and shit. Right, 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 right. The goo so, a, yeah. So then the second image there kind of shows you guys this thing looks more kind of like a Dalek if you if you're a fan of Doctor Who, mm -hmm. but it, it looks more like a uh, a cylinder or like you know a vertical tube 
with kind of a porthole on the top of it. So maybe it was a bit of a ship or a probe or a pod of some kind. And that starts to make a little bit more sense as opposed to being this creepy-ass creep. It's more or less like a uh, maybe a scouting pod or mm-hmm. a scouting suit, you know, space suit, some kind of shit. It's funny because so. I'm looking at this picture and this looks like something that would be in a Fallout game even though it is coming <laughs> right. to Fallout 76. But right. it's just funny um, that, that it like it looks like something, especially if it's going to be hovering and shit because all the robots they have and stuff. Oh, so. yeah. Well, and, and it's to be noted, you know, they did say we're going to include the folklore and everything else of the time and in the area. So yeah. we might just see a Flatwoods monster. So illustrator slash author Fescino includes, or sorry, concludes, when Miss May and the boys encountered the Flatwoods monster on the Fisher Farm area, September 12th, 52, an alien being may have been inside of a larger hovering probe or spacesuit. Making the reported tw- uh, making the making it the reported twelve feet tall, the height of the figure witnessed was only gauged by a tree branch that hung down. It was standing underneath. This mechanical metal-like craft was more likely a shell with a propulsion system located at the lower torso. The color of the upper and lower torso areas was described as looking like the color of aluminum. Some of the witnesses described the metal-looking body of the monster as green. When you discover the research, Mrs. May and Mr. Lemon casted their flashlights upon the monster, it immediately reacted and the interior of the figure lit up, forcing bright light through the eye openings. So he's thinking maybe when they shined it on the body, the light went up kind of like the core of this thing and shined back out at them. But the area around the creature was glowing due to the reflecting light off of the metallic surface. Thus, the tree leaves and brushes reflected back onto it, giving it the nickname of a green monster. And then he goes on to kind of describe more or less, guys, a better uh, description of what this monster may have actually looked like, according to May. Number one, an outer helmet. A black ace of spades shaped outer helmet that sits upon the shoulders of an upper torso area. The outer helmet also had a clear glass-like barrier located at the front of it. The entire helmet was approximately three feet high and about three feet wide at its base. The inner helmet was set back inside the black outer helmet with a red color interior helmet that had two portholes for eyes. It was worn by the occupant. The neck area consisted of some sort of collar covering and its inner helmet rotated upon the collar. So you can kind of look back and forth. The upper torso area of the structure was about three feet wide at the top and flared toward the waist area. Attached to the upper portion of the torso were a pair of antenna-looking devices which were said to resemble small mechanical toy-like hands. The lower torso flared out from the waist area to the bottom area. The bottom area was said to be approximately four feet across, so the thing is kind of, you know, skinny at the top, wider at the bottom. Set upon the lower torso area were thick pipes situated vertically and equally spaced around the torso. They were described as being silver in color, thick as a fireman's hose, and the pipes seemed to be the exhaust outlets for a propulsion system capable of lifting a large fabricated unit such as this. So it could have been a spacesuit of some kind. Or if you guys are familiar again with uh, Doctor Who, a Dalek is a giant shell similar to this, maybe inspired by this uh, sketch, with a smaller creature inside of it. Crane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> Crane, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Crane for the Turtles, yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. So it's interesting, man. I mean, the mass hysteria of these kids, you know, running up there and seeing this creature, when you only look at it for 30 seconds or less, you're just going to, you know, it's going to appear in its most simplest shapes and uh, movements to you. So all they know it was a giant, you know, green, farting, dripping monster, but uh, it could have been more of a robot. So if that wasn't a good enough explanation of what this thing might be, there's an interesting twist here as far as somebody else's idea and a third take on exactly what they encountered. So later on, Mrs. May also says that um, there was an incident later on in West Virginia. Sorry. There was an incident later on involving the West Virginia National Guard commander, um, this dude named Colonel Dale Levitt of Sutton, who was a World War II hero. So I'll kind of paraphrase this, but basically all week long, Colonel Levitt and groups of troops had been deployed to the Fisher property in the alleged area of the sighting. And that's common. You know, when the shit goes down and there's a national sighting and shit goes, you know, public, we send the army out there to basically investigate what it was. But she said it was really strange because she notes there's tons of like heavy artillery. You know, there's big boats out on the water looking for this thing. There's big trucks and even maybe some big guns. And she's really just not sure what the fuck's going on. So one day a truck rolls up and, uh, you know, Colonel Dale comes in and he's like, you know, let me take a picture. Let me take a look at the picture you got because she has, you know, the big drawing of what she supposedly saw. He's like, I want to take this outside. I want to show the boys just what we're looking at. So he takes a drawing outside. (laughs) He takes a drawing outside. He shows all his troops, you know, these guys just hanging out the back of this truck. And he comes back inside and he says, well, I want you to take a look at this. And he turns her drawing sideways. And he looks at her and says, this is a complete missile. So you look at her drawing and what she describes along, you know, cylindrical object pointed at the top flared at the bottom with exhaust ports and this colonel thinks that maybe you're looking at uh, a misplaced or displaced missile or something that may have been launched in this area but not fully exploded because if you look back they report seeing a giant you know glowing fiery ball go across the sky they see a big flashing red strobe. And when they get there, they see this giant, you know, cylindrical object just spewing out, you know, toxic gas and, and screeching and you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they go out there and supposedly he uh, collects some of the debris they find because all of a sudden now there's debris. They try to collect some of the, uh, the goo, which they describe as being a uh, burning celluloid. And he basically says, I don't know exactly what it is, y'all, but I think this is probably just some kind of missile. But later in a more candid interview with Festino. This guy's on it. Yeah, he is, dude. Damn. (laughs) Fucking missile. The, The colonel lets it peep. During an interview with Festino, Colonel Levitt says to Fisher, when asked, do you think it was an experimental craft of human manufacture? Or do you think it came from someplace else? And Levitt kind of looks at him for a second and he mumbles out, no, I think it came from someplace else. And of course, you know, Fristino drills him harder and says, what do you think happened here? Colonel looks at him and says, well, there was something here that could fly backwards or wherever it wanted to go, just anywhere. I think it was right here. 
so it sounds a little bit more like maybe this kernel underneath it all thinks it might have been some kind of uh, pod or some kind of craft piloted by something a little uh, more extraterrestrial than just a missile. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty well where it ends here. Um, There's not a whole lot more sightings of the Flatwoods monster. Um, There's reports supposedly of modern day stuff, but it comes across more like – you know, Reddit creepypastas and shit like that. But um, you got to imagine again the time and the place where we're at, you know, and, you know, you're watching your TV and this voice comes on and says, imagine a scene, the autumn dusk in a lovely secluded spot right after seeing a fiery meteor meteor across the sky. It's easy to imagine. Suddenly, you know, this camera comes up and shows you this drawing that uh, they show on this TV and this creature is kind of, you know, making its way towards your screen, getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And you hear orchestra music cranked up, blah, 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 blah. And the announcer says, this was not so easy. And then we go on and the entire nation is basically uh, beat over the head with the story. And thus you have this uh, worldwide panic of some kind of creature stalking you in the woods. And has anybody seen this thing? Since way back then? Man, not not really. I I jumped on and tried to find a lot of stuff, and so far all I can really find, like definitively worth mentioning, was a lot of reporters going out there and a lot of researchers trying to kind of find the same answers, but supposedly not really many people have seen too many reports of the Flatwoods monster. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. But um, the last aspect I'll touch on real quick is a lot of people think what this was was a big metallic suit or armor worn by a giant, skinny, lizard-like reptilian alien. But, uh, you know, whatever it is, giant missile, giant owl, natural gases, uh, lizard man wearing poodle skirt and a giant bonnet, um, history was made, you know, as an entire nation watched shocked as they see this giant uh, headline across their TV, Braxton County Monster, and uh, it just kind of burns something into your psyche, and it just gets dropped into that pile of really awesome, really crazy stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it yeah, it is. And, um, you know, with any good cryptid, with any good monster, you also have a really good chance for a cash grab. And, guys, if you want to go to Braxton, there is a Flatwoods Monster Festival. Mm, sounds like we need to make a trip to... West Virginia, because there's all cool, badass museums. Yep. You can go there, and there's a festival. And they say, supposedly, you can get these really badass uh, ceramic lanterns that have been produced since the early to mid-1960s and could be the longest-running product um, novelized as a keepsake to date as far as these kind of things go. So. You can literally buy the same fucking ceramic uh, lantern or lamp that you could buy back in the 60s. Hell yeah. Pretty badass. So, yeah, you can jump on there. We'll include like a little uh, link here to the Braxton uh, WestVirginia.org. It's got some pretty cool information here. But, uh, yeah, and as a matter of fact, guys, coincidentally, didn't plan this, but um, this episode will drop, what, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on Friday the 12th. It'll be the anniversary of the sighting. So um, I forget Ooh, which anniversary we're on. Yeah, but uh, we timed that puppy just right. But yeah, that's the tale of the Flatwoods monster. Remember the um, the people you uh, plugged the other day? The one mm-hmm, who made the mm-hmm. patches. 
Maiden uh, Maiden Voyage Clothing Co. Yeah. Did you see their little uh, Flatwood Monster patch? Um, are you talking about the one on their website or the one I'm looking at in my motherfucking hand, son? Yeah. Oh, you got one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's badass. Um, it's part of their Cryptozoology Tracking Society series. Oh, word? Yeah, Where did you boy. get it? Did you order one? Dude, I got my hookups. You know me. Oh, yeah? Nice. <laughs> Yeah, um, when Seth and Q went to their little I, – I don't know if they went to a store or they were at the Pin and Patch Festival there in San Diego. But uh, they got me a whole grip of these things, dude. Oh, a bunch of the that, that companies? Yeah, a bunch of it. Yeah, oh, I've cool. got a uh, – these patches are great. They're about a little bit bigger than a business card yeah. size. They look really cool. They're amazing. They really are. Like, and again, we're not we're not fishing. We're not reaching for you know sponsorship or free shit. We just want to plug cool shit where – you know, we find it, and I've got the uh, the Sasquatch, the Chupacabra, the Jersey Devil, the Mothman, uh, the UFO extraterrestrial one, and also the Flatwoods monster. And I sent you guys a picture of the Flatwoods. It's kind of cool because it's got these two little jewels sitting there um, for eyeballs that mm-hmm. kind of reflect the light. <laughs> so it's pretty badass. And they actually um, – not they, but yeah, yeah. Check out uh, Maiden Voyage Clothing Co. Also, the the group we mentioned last time too, the um, Small Town Monsters. They have a documentary about the Flatwoods Monster. It's available to purchase or rent on Amazon as well. Oh, it's not streamable. Dang it. Nah, it's not streamable. So I didn't watch that, but um, yeah, yeah. Give them a plug anyway because I'm I've heard it's really great. I haven't watched it yet, but I think it's about. I'm sure it's probably two or three bucks on there to rent. So we might have a little movie night one night. Check that out, but yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I like the Flatwoods Monster. It, it starts out strong, and then it kind of just tapers away. There's not really a concrete ending to it, you know. Kind of yeah. a hard one to really put a uh, put a period at the end of. But it was a lot of fun. And I, I suppose uh, there are more there are more talks about people actually seeing them nowadays. Yeah, that's the bummer. I really wish there was too, because I was hoping to have. Some modern day sightings, but I mean, there's modern day cryptids too that people reported seeing um, nowadays, and not so much, you know, back in the '60s and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, and I didn't go on too deep in Reddit to see if there was anything. I did, you know, R forward slash Flatwoods Monster, and not shit came up. So, I don't know if there could be more to it, but I didn't. I don't know. I'm not really that fluent in uh, Reddit. The Reddit tree. Yeah. <laughs> right. But. Yeah, that's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy that one, and it's really creepy. We'll include some photos of it and stuff like that. But I look and look and look, and there's not really a whole lot of anything. Even as I Google right now, um, there ain't shit about it, really. So, I, yeah, I just typed in Flatwoods Monster, and it comes to there's – a, there's a subreddit of, called Humanoid Encounters. Mm-hmm. This guy says, stop and stop by Flatwoods, West Virginia. They have a tourist center with multiple life-size statues of the monster, tons of newspaper clippings, and a giant Flatwoods monster chair that you can sit in and take your picture. They're working mm-hmm. on their marketing, but not as good as the Point Pleasant Mothman. <laughs> Everybody was like, based on that drawing, I'd totally say Dalek, except they wouldn't show up until 1963. It's funny. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, and jump on there and check it out. Um, we'll, like I said, we'll include that, <laughs> guy, that website. The, the fucking festival looks fun. This guy says, fuck that motherfucker. I've been terrified of that thing since I first read about it when I was eight or nine. I'm 34 now. You can't pay me to go to West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's fantastic, man. That's awesome. 
Um, you can, as far as like pop culture and stuff like that, it's pretty popular in video game lore. Apparently, in the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, there are creatures referred to as them, and they bear a striking resemblance to the Flatwoods monster. And um, in the Wii U game One Hundredful One Hundred and One, the character Gimme is a striking resemblance to the Flatwood monster. And Tamagotchi Life on 3DS is a Flatwood monster that makes an appearance. Um, and apparently there's a song made by Argyle Goosby, Goolsby, called The Being, dedicated to the monster of the Flatwoods. All right, well, that's a good place to put a, uh, a plug in it. <laughs> I didn't even mean that joke, honestly, but we'll do it. Steve, what do you want to plug, man? Um... I don't know. I'm not really. I'm not really working anything right now. <laughs> cool. uh, no yeah. worries. Where can people find you on the social meds? On the social meds, you check me out. <laughs> Big Steven B I G S T three P H three N. That's where you can find me on everything. Uh, pretty much. Hell so yeah. yeah, good deal. Check me out on Instagram. I'm just gonna try to start posting more stuff. Check out our Instagram at p x l p a r a n o r m a l right isn't that PXL. it yeah I believe so <laughs> PXL paranormal uh, I'm, that's gotta be it because people are finding us because we're getting them followers mm. and yeah again welcome whoop, whoop. it's awesome um, and Preston go for it want a beard need a beer grow a Flatwoods monster style beard <laughs> check out bigdobsbeardbomb.com Sean's gonna give you our promo code hell yeah promo code PXLPARA 20% off your entire order. So check him out and order you some good smelling stuff. And yeah, nothing beats, in my opinion, classic. Everything else is great, but something about that classic just Classic really gets and sweet my tobacco case. is where it's at. Sweet yeah, tobacco I, for the win. I think we're all three rocking that sweet tobacco right now, aren't we? Dude, I've yeah. had mine. I do mine. And I, try, I don't do it every day. Mm-hmm. Maybe like three days out of the week. Um, right on. I'm lazy. But the thing is still like pretty much full. It doesn't take much. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Just a dab will do you. Just a dab of dobs will do you. He's wanting, uh, he was, he commented on my post about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And we, cause we used to play with him back in the day on Xbox. And he's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, Oh, this would be so great. It's like, I totally miss them days. And I was like, Get an Xbox, man. Play with us. And yeah. he's like, Buy me one. Two. Two full free years of unlimited <laughs> beard supply. <laughs> I was like, uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Big shout out to Big Dobbs. So awesome. Uh, check out uh, Mark's show. Mark is our uh, silent partner in the show, handles all of our posting and hosting. Um, check out Pixelated Sausage, where he does all his great solo cast stuff about everything he enjoys. Uh, anime, movies, video games, everything else. Um, Preston, what's my favorite NASCAR, fast car related podcast? Sports Car Unleashed? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You sounded so sure of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check them out. And uh, Preston, what's the last thing you wanted to announce? You got something special. So our first ever Pixelated Paranormal Pit Stop episode is going to be coming out next Saturday. I think so. Yeah. And uh, so we thought that uh, we would do some bonus content for you listeners. Sometimes it'll be me. Sometimes it'll be Sean. Sometimes it'll be me and Sean 
just random shit that doesn't really fit into our grand scheme of things that we just want to throw out there for you guys. And uh, so the first one's going to be coming out next Saturday. So watch for it, click it, download it, listen to it, and enjoy it. And uh, I think uh, for the next Cryptid Encounter, we're going to hit all the mans of the uh, <laughs> of the uh, Cryptid world. So uh, dog the mans, man, huh? goat man, <laughs> uh, lizard man, frog man, he man, she man. We're going to hit them. Hell yeah. How about triangle man? Triangle <laughs> man. Hell yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> awesome. So that's what we're going to do. Hell yeah. yeah. All the men. All the men. Sweet. Oh, all the men. Sweet. All right. Well, guys, thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you all outside. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Peace. Later, y'all. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.